Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. And please, as always, like, review, subscribe, hit the five-star rating button, whatever you can do. Uh, whether you're watching on YouTube, this is a good one to watch because this is a, a conversation I'm having with Jesse McCormick, who I'm going to introduce here in a moment. But if you want to see him on video, this is a good one to look up on YouTube. Search for Stan McCune. Um, I've got a Selling Greenville podcast playlist, so you can find me on there. You can find me on all the podcast app platforms under the show Selling Greenville. And uh, please, to get the word out, please like, subscribe, rate, review, all of those things I've already said. And, uh, and hopefully doing those things, using me as your realtor, all of those things will help support the show. And I appreciate you guys. Uh, today, I have a special guest on here. It's Jesse McCormick with Ace Home Inspections, the owner of Ace Home Inspections, one of the premier home inspectors here in the Greenville, Spartanburg area. Um, Jesse and I have worked together for a long time. I'm pretty selective on who I work with. Um, and so uh, when he first got into the business, um, it took me a while before I was willing to use him because I already had inspectors I had used for several years. Um, but uh, but I gave him a shot. He did a great job. Um, I eased him in with some of my clients. Everyone has loved everything that Jesse has done. And, um, and so I'm grateful that I asked him to come on the show and he was willing to do that. And, uh, and I think he'll have some interesting things to share from, uh, from his experience, his extensive experience with inspecting in the Greenville Spartanburg area. So Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be on and uh, appreciate your, your time today and taking time to have me on. Absolutely. So um, Jesse, we're just going to jump right in here with something that I know that you're going to be excited to talk about. So I think in general, most people know what a home inspection is and loosely speaking, why it's important. But if you could come up with maybe like the number one misconception that you run into maybe with the general public or, or maybe with realtors in general about home inspections, what would that be? If you could boil it down to like one thing, what, what would that major misconception that you run into, uh, what would that be? Uh, one misconception might just be that it's like, it's like a punch list for the sellers to address, right? So I'm coming to do a home inspection and they think I'm going to give them this report and then it's just, everything on that list always has to be done, um, which isn't the case. It's, it's just not the case. Now, do they come to you? Uh, do, do you get blowback sometimes on that where it's like the seller won't? Like, how does that uh, impact you? No, to be honest, I, I feel like this is a great question for a realtor as well, because, you know, you guys are the ones working with the clients a lot. Um, but in talking every now and again, I'll talk with people and they'll be asking me about potential repairs, which, again, I'm always trying to defer to the realtors to some extent with what may, might get negotiated into the process. Um, but sometimes they're asking me questions and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that I'd be asking for that repair. That seems like a fairly minor, a fairly minor item, but I have to uh, be careful about setting expectations and, and letting the realtors also do their job. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's one thing I appreciate is that um, you're, you're good about communicating what things are minor, what things perhaps are, not minor or, or perhaps more major. And, um, and I've always appreciated your accessibility with my clients if they want to, or if I want to clarify 
something that you're always uh you know willing to shoot a straight insofar as you can obviously you guys have the most liability of like anyone in the business right and it would be terrifying to me uh to be in your shoes um but i i appreciate i think that as long as you keep doing a good job that 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 liability kind of isn't there because people understand you know you're gonna miss some things but as long as you're working hard people appreciate that yeah and i'm thankful for the last five years you know but in the business I, I probably shouldn't say anything right that's how the saying goes but have had uh where some no, wood no, we can knock on yeah right. i know no, no major issues or lawsuits uh <laughs> so that's uh that's always a positive i hear in the business it's only a matter of time before something happens but yeah i, I do always try and do a thorough job and communicate clearly and get to anywhere i can get to and um, a lot of times, especially in those crawl spaces, try and go the extra mile, especially when there's other things that are piquing my concern or interest in, in those areas. Yeah. Is it kind of, is it kind of annoying to have to, to find all of those minor things? Are you kind of like in, in your mind, like, I wish I didn't have to, I wish I didn't have to put these in here, but people are going to expect it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there, and sometimes it's just the overall length of the report. You know, if it's, if it's a shorter report and there's not as many items, I don't mind putting some of those items in, but then if I, I feel like the report's getting a little bit long, I almost kind of feel bad. Like, ah, you know, this is, it could really be condensed to be more clear, but I do need to include these items. But again, that's why we have the helpful tags on there as more of a, a minor um, versus more significant concern that helps, helps you guys and helps the buyers identify um, which items may be of more concern. So what's kind of the, you might not know this off the top of your head because I didn't prep you for this question, uh, but this is a conversation. Um, so we're going to kind of go off script a little bit. Do you know off the top of your head kind of roughly what the longest report is that you've ever done from a oh, page standpoint? I've, I've, I've had a hundred pages before. Um, and How every, big of a house was that? Uh, large house and an old house. Okay. Um, you know, and every inspector is a little bit different. I've gotten to where I try and be, clear and concise while also being very detailed. Um, so I'd say typically a summary report for me, just the summary portion, not the full inspection report, um, you know, on a newer home might be around 10 pages on a typical home might be 10 to 20 pages, but I, but I've definitely had summaries 30, 40 pages long. And in, in reports like that, I'm not including a lot of other pictures in the report, unless it's a defect um other than just the outside pictures or the inside pictures where some of these um you know some homes that are maybe newer construction or don't have as many items i might have a few more pictures of just different areas or different things when i'm saying hey here's this item in the house or here's that items in the house it's just sharing facts where if it's already going to be a long report then i you know i'm just trying to make things as, as clear as possible yeah yeah for sure for sure do you do you feel like typically those longer reports do you find that the buyers tend to be blindsided by that or, or have they kind of already been prepared going in? Okay. This is going to be a, a long report. Yeah. I mean, usually realtors like yourself do a great job prepping, um, you know, prepping the client. So if it's an older house or a house that's kind of obviously, you know, has some just general routine maintenance or disrepair, or just hasn't been upkept well, usually, you know, realtors are kind of prepping their clients, say hey, this is going to be a little bit longer because I'll have some interaction with the buyers but a lot of that comes with, again, as you know, from you talking with them day in and day out and getting them prepared for things. If there is anything that comes up on an inspection report that I think might be a surprise to both the buyer and the realtor, a lot of times I might, try, especially something more significant, 
I'll try and text or call the the realtor. Um, as I, I think, I think I've done with you a few times before, just to give you a heads up on. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Like, yeah, yeah, here's a, know, here's a knowing com- knowing that my client's not going to be, you know, knowing that I have a little bit advance notice that okay, the floor is about to fall out due to termite damage is helpful. Yeah, and I, again, I, that's what I'll try and do to, to prep you, so you're not getting a call from your client, and and you're you're out in left field and you have no idea and you haven't seen the report yet and you're just kind of shooting from the hip. I, I'll try and give you know yourself and other realtors a heads up on some of those items. Yeah extremely helpful so what's um what's an example of something that you've caught during a home inspection that was like okay you you knew when you caught it and after communicating with all the parties that you truly saved like a ton of money or or potentially saved a buyer from getting into something it couldn't handle yeah um i think one recent thing that happened just just a few weeks ago I was doing a group of uh, duplexes, right? So there's three brand new construction duplexes. And um, so I was there for all day doing those, those three all in the same location, but it took me the full day for all three of those. And um, the actual, when I found this, it was actually the buyer, the investor and the builder were all like at the property, not necessarily in the house, but at that property. Sure. And, and there was some just real small staining on a baseboard. And I, I found active moisture and, Basically, I found an active leak. The builder had been through that house. The investor had been through that house. And they were getting ready to close in the next few days. And they were going to have tenants moving in about two weeks later. So I think that would be the one of the situations where all parties involved are very thankful. Because yeah, catching catching that moisture early on and letting the builder get a dehumidifier out there, address the issue, get it tidied up, no, not a big deal. Everyone's thankful. Whereas two weeks later, you have tenants living in the property and you have mold that's been growing because moisture has gone undetected. Yep. That, that turns into a bit more of a nightmare. So that's, that's one thing that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, if, if you get a tenant and they're on a one-year lease, you know, it, my experience with a lot of tenants, because, you know, I have rental properties, oftentimes those little things, they're just going to kind of not even, they might notice it, but if it's not like directly impacted them, if they just see some standing on the baseboard, they probably won't say anything to their property manager and yeah, that absolutely can be something that just builds up and becomes a, a massive issue. So yeah, that's a great example. What's something crazy that you've come across during an inspection, whether it's like, you know, I did an episode recently about like, you know, coming across like baby vultures inside of a house. <laughs> uh, but so it could be something like that where you just like came across something unexpected or just like a crazy defect or something with a house that that was just like completely out of the blue. Yeah, I did listen to that episode. That that was a good episode. I, I'm always uh, enjoying. I'm out on the road, uh, staying tuned in on uh, some of the facts and then some interesting stories. I appreciate that. I didn't uh, even get into the. I, I thought about later. I was like, I should have talked about that time that uh, I was showing a house. I, we had been inside of it for ten minutes, and I, I uh, walked into the master bedroom and made eye contact with someone in the bed, um, <laughs> unexpectedly. That that one will have to. Uh, the full story will have to wait for another day. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Um, yeah. So one time I was near downtown Greenville and I was on the roof of a house, like looking at a house and there was a house next door that was a little bit like run down. Um, but still occupied. I could tell it was occupied and they had a second story, like kind of a garage apartment. It was a smaller house, but there was a roof that came down right to that garage apartment out of the corner of my eye. I I thought I kind of noticed something on the house next door. And so I turn over and I look and there's a five or six foot alligator right on the roof 
of the house. <laughs> so y- your reaction and, and my reaction, what people, anyone listening to this might, we're probably all, we probably all initially had that same reaction. And then I looked a little bit closer and realized, although it appeared at first that it might be real, it definitely wasn't. It, it, it was fake, but it, <laughs> thank, did, thank it, did, catch it, me, it did catch me off guard. <laughs> what, what was it like an inflatable alligator? I don't even know. It almost looked like a some type of a paper mache. Or it wasn't inflatable. Like it, it had been up there permanently. It was like it was like a lighter color than a normal alligator. So it had like been sitting out in the sun. Like I think they literally just had it stored up there and forgotten about. I, I don't know. So so what, what do you have any advice if if you if anyone runs into an alligator on the roof, do you like run it like a zigzag like through the valleys <laughs> of the roof or like what any thoughts on that? I man, if there's a pool nearby that had a deep end, I'd be going straight for the deep end <laughs> trying to get off that roof. That 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 would be my uh, two cents. Uh, but but yeah. only if that water was deep enough. Yep, yeah, get away from that alligator. Um, all right, so let's change gears a little bit here. So, um, over the years, you purchased a few investment properties, and I've I've helped you with some of those. Um, now you're now you're a licensed realtor, so you're you're kind of uh, handling some of that in house uh, for for those types of things, which which I can appreciate. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting because for me, when I walk into a house, because I you know I have rental properties, I flip houses on the side. I feel like I come in when w- with a little bit of a different perspective than just like your standard retail realtor, but I'm particularly interested in you as a home inspector when you're just walking into a house that you're thinking about buying. What you know, uh, it's kind of like the um, that scene from the the Hangover. Have you ever seen the Hangover movie? I, I've I've not seen that. Movie, okay, no. so but you've probably seen the meme where he's like pro- he's like at the poker table and like processing like all sorts of different things, you know, doing all the, all the odds in his head. So I'm kind of picturing you walking into a house that you're thinking about buying and doing all of that. Like just not even, it's kind of a subconscious thing where you're just processing all that's going on. What, but what are kind of like those first things that it's like, okay, this is the absolute first thing that I want to look at when I'm looking at a house to, to potentially purchase. So this may seem a little bit, uh, probably not the ex- answer you're expecting or that you're looking for. Well, that, that's exactly why I want to hear it. <laughs> um, but really, it's 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 all about the equity and the value. Okay. Um, so, like before, I would even go look at a house. It's more what is the what does the condition appear like? But it's it's really what's the price of the house and what's the ultimate value of the house and how much is it going to cost to fix it? You know, because I I enjoy getting my hands dirty. I I enjoy working on things and and doing some of the work. Um, so I'm more so, concerned. So, so are there certain, are there certain items that you look at first to determine that? Um, I mean, it's the big ticket items, right? So it's like, what's the condition of the roof? What's the condition of the HVAC? And depending on the situation or property, like, you know, windows, are they, are they all going to need to be replaced? Or are they in okay condition? Um, but again, plumbing, HVAC, roof, electrical, you know, those would be some of the big items. But again, for me, I, I'm normally not necessarily saying one of those would be a deal breaker necessarily. Right. It really just comes down to the, the price of the house, which, you know, as an investor and working with a lot of investors, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm an inspection and someone might ask me, oh, can this be fixed or this can be addressed? And that's called, that's always a double-edged sword. You know, it's, everything. of course can be it fixed. can, of course it can be fixed, you know? Um, but there are some things that are, that are more concerning than others and some things that could be minor, but um, may end up being uh, or becoming, uh, a little bit more of an issue down the road. And so there's certain things about a crawl space. You know, when I go into a crawl space, 
if there's a crawl space that's so tight, it's going to be hard to get any work done for me personally, because although I might sub out the work to a lot of other people, I might be doing some of the work myself. Um, if it's a crawl space that, and I'll go on tight crawl space, I don't have a problem doing inspections there, but there's sometimes I'm doing inspections and I'm calling out things and I'm thinking there's no way I'd be the one that will had to come in here and, <laughs> and fix this. It's one thing to go in and, and snap a picture with a, with a camera. It's another thing to actually get in and do some of the repairs. Yeah, oh, for sure. Some of those, you know, what are they? I guess there are like 18 inch crawl spaces and a few, a few older homes. Like some of those are tight. So yeah. Yeah. No. yeah if it's got a mill home and then they added HVAC later on, that's underneath the house. Oof. Those, those can get pretty tight. So are there any, are there any things that for you, again, may not apply to everyone listening, but for you specifically, that if you're buying a home and you're kind of doing your own self-inspection, that's like a standard, I will not buy a home if it has X or, or, um, or, or is it for you strictly about price and assessing how much it would cost to, to rectify the, you know, whatever issues are there? I'm probably 95% price and what's it going to cost to rectify the issues. Um, again, because I have that background in construction, so I enjoy those things. And I know in the upstate, you're, there's always going to be, you know, past termites or not just to say always, but it's not that unusual, especially in older homes, older homes, yeah. To, to, to have some of those issues. So I don't want to make a blanket statement, but that would be the one thing where if I go in and it's not just an isolated area here or there, but the more possible pervasive, type of termite thing there will be um I, i'm not looking and I, again this is overstating it but i'm not looking to rebuild a house from you know completely so I, some of those items if termites the worse the termite damage were to get the more i start i might start you know just pausing to think is this something i really want to move forward with and again that's just for me personally yep yep absolutely so one thing I run into uh, a lot is just kind of buyers being skeptical that sellers are disclosing all the issues with their home, right? I, I, if you look at the seller's disclosures, oftentimes sellers are just selecting, no, there's no problems with everything, you know, and it'll be a 50-year-old home and they're saying, no, there's no problems with everything. And it's kind of like, okay, it's a 50-year-old home. There's something wrong somewhere um, that you're not disclosing. That's, in fairness, the, the seller's disclosure is... Um, sometimes it's hard to know like what fits in what bucket, but I'm curious if you, uh, how often you run into things during an inspection that you feel like sellers must have known about, um, but that it, it appears that they did not disclose. Yeah. And again, I'm not always seeing all those disclosure statements, right? So I don't know what they're I guess, doing. I guess, don't. I guess judging based on, uh, communicating with the realtor or the buyer's agent or the buyers directly that they're surprised by something. And in your mind, it's like, okay, yeah, the, the sellers, they should not be surprised by this. The sellers should have disclosed it. Is that a common occurrence or not a very common? Occurrence? Yeah, it, it is fairly common in, in the sense that, you know, the more minor it is, the more I'm inclined to think it's just the sellers didn't think to include it on there. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, if you've got a, a sink that's got a huge crack in it and it's leaking, and the realtor seems surprised by it when I pointed out, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, so, something fell through the cracks there. Yeah. So something, something fell through the cracks there. Yeah. So I, I do think that there's something where there's just sellers that really don't think about certain items. And there's other times I'll tell you one thing I see, <laughs> it seems like on a semi-regular basis, if there's rugs or something covering flooring, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, 
this seems like a unique spot or why is so much of the floor covered or, or why is this massive oversized piece of carpet in the bathroom <laughs> and I move it and the tile floor is like falling apart and Oof. you know, the grout is just, the tiles are loose. Yeah. Those are the situations where I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, uh, sellers if were aware of something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is there, are there any like, um, frequent categories like are plumbing issues kind of the most common of of those types of things or uh, or roof issues is there like a certain like these are typically if a buyer is going to be blindsided by something this is typically what it is um i would say that's more crawl space and again i would say that wouldn't be something the seller is necessarily right. trying to hide yeah but if you you know if you ask me anything like where's like one concern you have i could say 10 different categories and then put crawl space before that. And it would, <laughs> that's where that would happen. A lot of times sure. that's moist. It is moist. It would be moisture related under a, a, sink, a sink that's leaking that you might see in a vanity, but even underneath I'm running the water for a long period of time. So drain lines or supply lines um, at showers. If I run wa um, water at the showers for a long time or flush the toilet a few times, there might be a leak at a flange. So, you know, plumbing would probably be one of those items that would, would be top of the list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, in terms of, we we talked a lot about buyers' reactions to things, um, you know, how they respond to seeing these different items on an inspection report. So, one thing I'm kind of curious about is, what are some of the common things that you come across that you feel like maybe buyers or realtors tend to overreact to? Maybe something that to you is minor, um, still something that needed to be flagged on the report, so it's not like it's a, a nothing, but maybe it's you know, to you might be a three out of 10 and the buyer's agent comes at you with eight out of 10 energy and just kind of surprises you when maybe there are, are more significant things on the report. Um, are, th are there any common things like that, that you're like the, I, I frequently run into this, this kind of thing that people overreact to? Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any one thing that comes to mind that people overreact to. And, you know, keep in mind if I'm talking, you know, not always do the realtors and the clients meet be on site, but occasionally they do. So if I'm talking in that environment, it's not necessarily helpful for me or for the realtor to, <laughs> especially for the realtor to be overly zealous about their concern with a certain item per se, right. they might ask some honest questions. Um, but as far as something that someone's maybe over um, just a little bit more emotionally involved with, sometimes they're just like cosmetic wear mm -hmm. on, on flooring or, or doors and people come in and they, they get caught up on some cosmetic items um, other than that, it's just kind of a, a, a pretty broad brush with, you know, there might be minor plumbing things that people think are a big concern. Mm -hmm. Um, what about like settling or like things like that? Cause that's something that I run into a lot. There's a lot of misconceptions about settling specifically where it's like, you know, uh, is it structural? Is it not structural? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that, that would be probably one great example where if, if it's on a slab, which if it was built in the last 10 to 20 years here in the upstate, there's a decent chance it was built on a concrete slab foundation. And that's probably the most common one where it's, it's very typical to see some minor or some minor to moderate cracks in the concrete slab when you're looking at the perimeter of the foundation. Um, but it's also I'm, what I'm looking for, not just those cracks, which again are very, can be very typical to, to see depending on the size, but inside the home, is there any other cracking or any other obvious signs of correlating concern that would start to elevate that concern from just more of a standard inspection um, or standard cracking, just minor settling 
um, to something that's more significant concern. So yeah, that, that would be one that sometimes those minor items people would, would uh, underestimate. But I, I do think there's a danger um, too, where you get so common seeing the minor ones that trying to tactfully communicate with a realtor or buyer, if this one's not, not minor and it actually is more significant. You know, I, I did a house just recently that was newer construction about five years old and you know, you, you could see there's actually under the LVP flooring, there's, there's actually a crack with some vertical displacement in the concrete that did look to be more of a concern, which again, it's very unusual to see some of that stuff. And again, it's something that can be addressed. Um, but, but some of those items, it's a fine line of it's, it's either not that bad or some people get so used to thinking it's not a big deal. You have to make sure to communicate clearly when this might actually be a bigger deal. Yeah, let's let's park on this for a second because I, I think listeners might have a lot of questions about this. So so let's say that you you see some cracking to the slab, uh, you know, maybe in the garage that kind of leads into the house. Um, and now you're kind of like, okay, I wanna see if there's, you know, additional settling in the house that, that I should be concerned about. What are you looking for? Um it might be that just the doors themselves and not just do they not latch because that's pretty common, but I'm looking to the actually rubber hit on the door frame itself, you know, cracks, cracks in the sheetrock, separation in the key, uh, sheetrock. And, and I'll say on slab homes, especially homes that are vacant, whether it's new construction or they're just vacant homes, I'm much more inclined on the first floor of the home to actually walk around just in my socks on the floor okay. because it gives me a, it gives me a better feel for through the LVP if there's any anomalies or any, any unusual things in the flooring yeah. um, that I can see. So those are a few things. Um, and again, if, if it's cracks in the garage floor, that's, that's common to see. I mean, most of the time a garage floor is always poured after the actual mm-hmm. home itself. So if there's cracks in the garage, that's not as concerning to me typically. Whereas if there's evidence of cracks with the concrete slab itself that are more moderate to major cracking, um, or some displacement, or I can see lines through a uh, vinyl plank flooring that, that there's lo- evidence of potential things. That's something I start to, to look a little bit more closely. When at. you say lines in vinyl plank flooring, what do you mean? Like lines in like, between individual planks? No, I, more like you can, you can see a, cr- basically seeing a crack through the flooring itself. Okay. Um, so like, the house I was at just in the last week that I was mentioning earlier, I could actually see a little bit of a zigzag cracking pattern. Like the the vinyl flooring itself was intact. There wasn't any obvious concerns, but when you shine the light at just certain angles, you can actually have a little bit of a glare with the Ah. shadows Mm -hmm. that shows a little pattern um, of basically what would appear to be a a crack in the concrete below that area. And again, it's, it's common. They, typically they're going to have expansion joints that they cut into concrete. So there's certain cracking that is designed and planned because that's done at the expansion joints to try and minimize the settling or the movement or the shifting. Um, and, and you'll see some of that as well. Okay. All right. And then my last question on, on well, maybe um, on this is, so when you're, because, and I ask this because I get this question a lot. And so I know that because I get it a lot, I know people are going to have it a lot. So like, let's say that you're seeing those settling cracks inside the house. I've heard some people say that they're really concerned if they see those cracks coming out of diagonal off door frames or off window frames. What are your thoughts about that? Um, and, you know, are there any other additional, like specific 
concerns you have with cracks outside of just the the width of the cracks and the frequency of them in the in the sheetrock yeah so the width especially like exterior surfaces if it's greater than a quarter of an inch it starts to be elevated concern you know diagonal cracking can, can be somewhat more common but if it's like horizontal cracking that's also can be more of a concern Hor- you, of you, too- you're more concerned with horizontal than you are with uh I, t- with diagonal t- typically I, I, yeah but it also again it depends on the size like sure. on the exterior surfaces if it's going it's not unusual for there to be especially older brick homes for there to be some uh cracks at the at the mortar joints but then if that crack starts to get wider and it's starting to go through brick and then the other thing i'm also looking for is moisture if if it looks like there's a drainage concern where moisture might be coming up against the foundation or tree roots might be coming up against the foundation or maybe there's a lintel. It's it's like where there's a lintel that is is certainly a lintel that's supporting the brick or the concrete block is broken or cracked. I'm I'm looking for the cracks, but I'm also looking at other indicators mm-hmm. of is there other concerns um, that might yep. be creating this. This might be an ongoing concern versus hey, this happened at some point in the past, but I'm not seeing necessarily any indications of ongoing concern. Mm-hmm. And this is for those listening. This is the the value of a home inspector and why, even though I I'm very thorough in my showings I, and I, I will point out settling cracks and things of that nature. Um, but I don't quite have the diagnostic brain that someone like Jesse has of being able to look on the outside, look on the inside, assess all of these different things. It's just a different level. And that's that a good home inspector does it at. Um, and, and that's why we as realtors don't uh, ever intend to replace home inspectors because we just we can't take all of those things into consideration even those of us that have uh you know somewhat of a background in some of these things uh so uh so yeah it's interesting to hear your process through that last last thing on the slab thing and then we'll move on um because this is another one i get a lot i i have some clients that are completely against slab homes and they only want you know crawl space or basement foundations what are your what are your thoughts on that I think some of it's a matter of preference um, for the individual. I mean, because crawl space here in South Carolina, that's going to bring its own issues potentially with moisture, adding a vapor barrier dehumidifier. Um, it's it's great to be able to access, you know, any of the plumbing. So if there's issues, you can mm-hmm. do that. Whereas a slab yeah. home, you might never think about anything for 20 years. But if something were to become an issue, it's a whole lot harder to fix a plumbing issue or otherwise if it's under a slab. I just ran slab. into that the other week. That was a a night nightmare in a house where they previous owners had had tried to move a sink and then they rerouted plumbing through the wall and then it started you know it was on a slab home so they they didn't do it right and then it started leaking in the wall and it was just an absolute disaster that wasn't yeah. that wasn't one that uh that you inspected by the way that that wasn't one that got to the to the level of an inspection that was one where the walking through it and the sellers were describing all of those things we were able to see all not the sellers actually it was tenants were in there describing everything and it was just like yeah this is a (laughs) no-go yeah yeah no that that's uh so again sometimes it's a preference sometimes people and sometimes it depends on where people are coming from you know people up north are really used to basements Mm -hmm. people down in florida are really used to slab homes and um it's just kind of what people are comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. What about um, is, going back to the reactions uh, element of things? Are there things that you feel like people underreact to that they should take more seriously that that you know that you run into that you're just kind of surprised? Like, oh wow, they they don't seem to be too worried about that. But like, I would be worried about that. Um, I don't know 
about being worried about things, you know, sometimes I might have a conversation that the HVAC is, or I might mention the HVAC is 20 years old or 25 years old, and it might be functioning fine. And that's, that's no worries. But, you know, sometimes people try and corner me. Does that mean I'll get like five more years out of it or what? <laughs> and that's where I kind of got to, you know, tap the brakes a little bit and say, I mean, it's as 20 or 25 years old. I mean, you might get five more years day. out of it, but I, I can't really predict the future. So right. that that's one of those unique ones, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I had I had one of those where it was, um, and I'm pretty sure you did the inspection for this. This was years ago, but there was two AC units. One was pretty new and the other was 30 years old. And it was like, well, this was when the market was so hot, you couldn't really ask for repairs. It just, people were just declining repairs basically. Um, and so it was just kind of like, well, we'll, we'll get a, a, a home warranty, you know, to cover the, the 30 year old HVAC. We did, we go to the final walkthrough and that HVAC was not working at all. And uh, thankfully the seller was completely amenable to it and the seller replaced it and closing was the next day and the seller's AC person replaced it prior to closing the next day. So it was, it was a great situation. It was, it was like, if, if we had closed one day earlier, it would have been on my client's dime for having replaced it. Um, but it just kind of worked out that way. Doesn't yeah, always it, work out that way. But. No. And, and there are certain indicators we'll look for to, you know, I'll, I'll look for to flag things with an HVAC, depending on the age that it could be a concern, mm -hmm. but, but nothing really beats testing the system when it's 95 degrees out there. Right. Um, you know, cause you don't really know what it's going to do until then. And then some people I, I'll kind of jumping into something else. Some people sometimes think that I'm, my inspection is like a specialist inspection mm -hmm. when the reality of reality of it is I'm trying to do a, a very thorough inspection, but I'm not doing the same pressure testing and other things with an HVAC system. So sometimes if it's an older system, the clients might want to consider having an HVAC guy come out mm -hmm. to actually yep. do pressure testing and Delta T and, and get more thorough readings in addition to, to my general inspection. So that's yeah, just something sure. else that I, again, don't, don't try and unnecessarily communicate that that's essential, but there's certain situations where people want to know that's, that's what I can recommend with some of those older components of it at home. Yeah, for sure. So another question I get a lot from people, and, and I know that you do radon inspections. Um, for those listening that don't know, radon's is the second leading cause of lung cancer in the U.S., second to, I guess, cigarettes, right? Smoking. That's correct. Um, what percentage of radon tests are coming back with elevated levels of radon per what the EPA standards, I guess? Yeah, so the EPA standard is 4.0. So you want your reading 4 .0, to be 4.0 what? PC, PCIL. Okay. Um, so that's just the, that, you know, how, how it reads out. Yep. Um, but there are, I would say probably about 20% or so of the radon tests that I do come back high. Okay. Um, above, above four. Um, and I will say there's, there's a little bit of a correlation because people buying a newer construction home aren't as likely to get a radon test. Um, okay. and people buying like walkout basement homes, um, might be a little bit more likely mm -hmm. to get um, a radon test. That being said, it's it's extremely unusual. I shouldn't say extremely unusual. It's unusual to see radon in newer homes, but I have tested. I have had why, high why radon. Why is that? Um, well, well, now if it's been built in the last 10 years in the upstate, 
a lot of times there's a passive system that's okay. in place. So the passive um, system, even though the passive system doesn't have a fan on it or anything, you feel like it's still accomplishing something. It, 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 it is. And then also too, the, the, how they do the foundation with putting the vapor barrier down and the gravel, it's more mm -hmm. sealed. Whereas an older home might be more prone to have some con some cracks in the concrete or just mm -hmm. it allows air up into the home um, mm -hmm. in an easier way. That being said, I've tested new construction home, a brand new construction home that had high radon. You know, I have tested, you know, home that's five years old that has high radon. So I, as soon as you start saying it, it has to be this or it has to be that, there's always those, those outliers. Yeah, um, for sure. But, but I would say generally about 20% of the homes I test have that. And again, it is something that there's mitigation. So that's something that oftentimes a seller will just address and fix. And if it already has a passive system in place, oftentimes it's as simple as adding a, a you know, a fan. Um, in the attic where they've got it set up for a fan already most of the time just yep. to that system to make it an active system. Yeah. And and when you say fan, not, not just like a box fan in the attic, you're saying just for those listening, the, an actual radon company will put a, a device that's essentially a fan on the, on the radon pipe that'll essentially just act like a vacuum sucking the radon gas up. Is that, is that what you're. Yeah, what you're correct. T typically it might be like a four inch PVC Mm -hmm. type of plumbing pipe and they're just putting a fan onto that that sucks the air from underneath the home and the radon from underneath the home and pulls it straight out and releases it into the air where it can just go out in the air instead of getting trapped inside of the home and so we've got a lot of out-of-state people listening to this podcast um that most of my listeners are from out of state actually um so one thing I've learned is that people coming from like the Northeast or perhaps even the Midwest, they're, they're used to seeing radon levels, you know, really high 50, 60 PCIL or whatever the, the correct, uh, whatever the terminology is. Um, so for those 20% that are high, what are kind of the numbers that you're typically seeing? I mean, most of the time here in the upstate, what I'm seeing is between four and eight. Okay. Um, and, and for those that are listening, they may not know this. The levels of radon do vary. That's why the test has to be at least 48 hours. Oftentimes I'll try and run mine for 60 um, because the levels do fluctuate and go up and down. If for example, there's bad, bad thunderstorms and there's a lot of, um, you know, barometric pressure variance, it can tend to be a time that there's more radon that's released from the ground. So that reading has to be taken over at least a minimum of a 48 hour period. Um, but yeah, most of my readings, if they're high, they're between four and eight. Um, and then if they're, you know, it's, it's very typical for me to get readings, you know, all the time between one and three, 3.5. I mean, it's, it's, if it's below one, it's almost unusual, mm -hmm. um, unusually sure. low, whereas a typical reading would be like one to three. Okay. And are you seeing fewer, this is my last radon question, I promise. Are you seeing, do you see fewer in Spartanburg County than Greenville County elevated radon levels? Uh, I do. And there's a, there's a map of the U S that will show different areas, but typically the upstate that where it's a little bit more of a rocky type of soil, that's where it's going to be uh, more prevalent to have higher radon. So typically I do see more in like the Greenville area as opposed to say Anderson or Spartanburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I asked because I've, I was curious, you know, I've seen that EPA map, but I was curious if you anecdotally, if, if you've experienced that as well. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, I have. But, and again, to be honest, there's sometimes in those other areas, there's not as many people that request the, the sure. radon test. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, a smaller sample size to pull from, but for sure. So you mentioned new construction earlier and, uh, and of course new construction has been a, a massive part of everyone's business the past few years. It started because nobody could, could, uh, everyone kept getting outbid 
in the multi-offer situations in the COVID era. And now it's pivoted that there's just not enough resale homes um, on the market. And so people now are pivoting to new construction because they can't find anything else. So I'm sure you've seen an uptick in your new construction work. I certainly have in terms of, of representing buyer clients for new construction. Um, but I'm curious, you know, sometimes people don't realize that that they should have a home inspector go into new construction. Um, and I've even had um, actual builders try to talk me out of it and say, well, we've got the county inspectors. The county inspectors do a very thorough inspection. I'm just like, I have communicated with the county inspectors. They are not doing a thorough inspection. I'm sorry. Um, so with all of that in mind, um, I always encourage my my buyer clients when they're getting new construction to have a home inspection. 99% of them do um, because they see the value of it. Um, but to prove it to those listening, I'm curious, what are some things that you've caught that, that stand out in your mind in a new construction home that the county inspector just would have never caught? Yeah. So there, yeah, I have done a, like you mentioned a lot more the past couple of years, new construction that's certainly increased, uh, quite a bit here in the upstate for me. And I'll say too, there are some builders that have their own in-house or they have mm -hmm. their own third, you know, separate company that comes in to do new construction inspections. And that can be great and very helpful. And some of those guys do a great job, but, um, of course I am a little bit biased. Um, but I, I do think it could be helpful to maybe have someone that you know and trust that's going to do a thorough job as opposed to relying on someone that the builder is having come out. Um, that again, they may do a great job and a thorough job, but that might not be the case. Um, so, so what's an example of something yeah, that, that you and, caught? And, and an example, um, one thing where hot water in two bathrooms. So I'm, I'm going and testing the water. A lot of times it, it might get reversed at the actual sink where they mm -hmm. switch the water lines or the hot and the cold. And I was at a new construction home. This is like a 500,000 plus. I mean, it, it was a nice new construction home, um, you know, a little bit larger home. And the builder was there and like, oh, yeah, I, I know the the bathroom upstairs. I know this the sink hot water is switched. Well, I got to testing the shower, the sink. And then I realized that actually in the wall at two of the bathrooms, they had switched the line. So there was hot water running to two toilets, not oh, no. just this in the shower, but there was hot water running to two toilets. So, um, thankfully no bidets were at the house. So there was no issues on that front. But, um, they, they, uh, that, that, that was something that would, you know, you don't want to be paying for hot water running to your toilet no, every time you're, I mean, you're just flushing it down the drain every time. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Not to mention wear and tear on the, on the water heater, you know, even if it's tankless, you don't want it to have that wear and wear and tear on it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny. And yeah, and if you have a have a bidet, you know, that's a that's a hot tush. Uh, that, 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 that would be. You, I've you, got one other funny story in regards to new construction, maybe. Yeah, go for it. And, uh, and water, because it seems like the water always provides an interesting story. So I'm at a home, I'm doing an inspection, of course, on new construction or any vacant homes, especially I'm always running the water for an extended period of time. So I'm upstairs, I have all the water on. Of course, I'm, I'm checking for leaks initially when I turn that water on. And it just so happens the cleaners were downstairs at the house as I was doing this new construction home. And all of a sudden I hear this like yelling and scurrying around and something about turning the water off. <laughs> so I, I turn the water off and I go downstairs. And again, this is new construction, so no one's living there. And I go downstairs and there is water all over the oh. floor downstairs, which it's unfortunate, but it's also much more fortunate that that's me that yes. it's happening to instead of the Absolutely. buyers once they're inside the home. Um, and what had happened is there was a clean out cap in the wall that there was never a cap put on it. 
Whoops. So someone had just shoved a rag into a cap and the sheetrock guys had come in and they had sheetrocked right <laughs> over top of that cap. And I think even just normal use, the water was still would just going down the pipe and no one would notice it. But because I had several fixtures running yeah. upstairs all at the same time, it blew the rag out of that cap that wasn't really capped. It was just the pipe in the wall that wasn't capped at all. And so um, thankfully the cleaners were there. They got everything cleaned up. I stopped running the water and saved the clients from a big, he big headache of uh, finding that process later. But that, that was a very interesting experience for me with a, a little bit of a flooded house there on a new construction. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, there was a nice one that you caught. This was, again, several years ago. You might not even remember it. It wasn't technically new construction, but for all intents and purposes, it was. It was a one-year-old home that had not yet been lived in, uh, even though it had been purchased, but then the person never actually moved in. And then after a year, they decided to sell it. Um, and um, it had they uh, construction rubble uh, in the shower drain and you caught that the that the drain was was slow draining and it turned out to be a massive expense they they ended up you know backing out they were able to get their earnest money back and everything that was before the era of termination fees so they didn't have to worry about that um but uh but that that was a a huge lifesaver for them because that was like a yeah I, we got a quote from someone it would have been like a four or five thousand dollar repair so it was that was a huge a huge one so uh, I've seen it firsthand. Um, I'm curious. We're not going to name names. I just want to know high level. Are there certain builders, and again, we're not going to say which ones, but that you're kind of on high alert for that you're just like, there's probably going to be more issues or there's a higher likelihood of more issues? Or do you find that that's not the case, that it's more just from one community to the next, that really the, the builder itself doesn't really matter? You know, it's funny. I get asked that question. A fair amount. Um, Interesting. And, and really what I've come to realize in, in my, at least in my experience, that sometimes it's really the superintendent over the specific mm -hmm. sites. So it's not always a specific company that there's this big issue with or things always go perfect with. But there, it seems like it's because I might be going back and I might end up doing two or three inspections in the same community. And it just seems like there's a correlation oftentimes with the project manager that's overseeing a certain site or certain you know, set of homes that no matter what builder they're working for, it's the actual individual on site. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, several years ago, when I went to a home, it wasn't ready to inspect. And then they, they assured me it was ready to inspect. I went back out for a second or third time. And when I went back out, I go in the house and I realize there, there's a toilet that's not even installed. Mm -hmm. um, that would kind of give you an indication of how that inspection as a whole went. Yeah. Um, yep. so they're not so much the individual as much as just the person overseeing each, each home in the process, which would, which would answer the question as it's more of a community to community That's uh, correct. Yeah. type of, now that being said, from, from a realtor standpoint, there are certain, in my opinion, certain builders that are more likely to hire good supervisors than others. And I know several supervisors, uh, that have said the same thing, but They've also, they would also agree with you that even among the, the good builders, as it were, um, that there are, there can be bad supervisors that wreak havoc on an entire community. Um, and that's a shame when that happens. Yeah. And, and sometimes not, this is not always the case by any stretch, because sometimes you have some younger supervisors that are really diligent and make an effort to do a great job, but sometimes there might be 
um, like new construction homes that are priced at the lower price points, they might be more likely to have supervisors that aren't quite as experienced as some of the higher priced mm-hmm. um, subdivision, which again, that that's, I, I'm, I'm making, it's not really, I'm making a blanket statement, but that's not true in every situation. Sure. But there is a little bit of a correlation where sometimes, again, the, the, the nicer communities, generally the, the supervisors in those communities have, have, there's a reason they're supervising some of those nicer communities. Whereas For the, sure. the ones that aren't as expensive, there still could be some ones that, you know, they're fine and they're, they're, they're fairly well-built homes. Um, and there might be some other ones where the guy that's a supervisor, it, it might be his first time as a supervisor and some things might be slipping through the cracks. Yep. No doubt. All right. Last question. And then I'm going to let you go. Um, I'm a realtor. Always have to, always have to ask a question like this. Are there, certain things that you as a home inspector notice that good realtors do that others don't specifically from the standpoint of once it comes to you as a home inspector, are there certain things that you, or let me ask it this way. Are there certain things that you wish that more realtors did, uh, that the good, good ones do that better prepare their clients or better help you as, as an inspector? Well, I'll say I work with a lot of different realtors. I'll, I'll put a plug in for you right now on the air. I do think you do a great job. I'm not just saying that because you're having me on. And I didn't. I, I'm not. Business. I'm not asking for you to do that, but I do appreciate I, that. I, I know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not someone to say something I don't mean. But I, you know, do a great job working with your clients. That's why I've done some stuff with you in the past. Thank you. But I will say a lot of the realtors that I work with, I seem to work best with realtors that really have their clients' best interest in mind. Hmm. So. You know, I'm never looking to kill kill a deal. You as a realtor, you're not looking to kill kill a deal. But there might be some situations where, as a as a home inspector, I'm just trying to provide honest feedback to the current condition of the home and convey that accurately without unnecessarily scaring people. And I think some of the best realtors that I work with, they understand that, and they also want what's best for their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I try and provide a a, a detailed, thorough report that is concise. They appreciate that. Whereas, you know, some realtors, if, if, if I bring something up in a report or I'm a little bit too detailed and they have a feeling that it's going to kill the deal, then, you know, they might be a little bit irritated if I'm, you know, too detailed on certain things. Um, sure. Yep. And, and again, I, so I think the realtors that, that I, you know, gel with the most and respect the most is, is the ones that are just trying to be honest and help their clients. And they really want what's best for their clients. And that's how can we work through a situation that's come up with the inspection? Let's move forward. Or if the clients for whatever reason, really decide this isn't the best property for them, you know, those realtors are okay with saying, okay, this is, this, this happens occasionally. Let's find something else for you. And and let's find something that you really, you know, want to be in or want to be at. So I, I think that would be kind of one thing that comes to mind. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's super helpful. All right, Jesse, I really appreciate your time. Um, do you have any any last things you'd like to say to the audience? Anything you that uh, you weren't able to get out during? I don't our think so. I, I always enjoy so. listening. It'll be a little bit strange listening to this one if I decide to go <laughs> back and uh, and do that while I'm on the road hearing myself talk. But uh, no, I appreciate you and all you do and do for your clients. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's weird. It it is a little bit odd hearing yourself. I I don't hardly ever listen to an entire episode. I usually do listen to the entirety of these interviews because it's just helpful for me to hear how I'm interviewing people, but it is, it's incredibly weird. Um, I, I don't, I don't enjoy doing that <laughs> specifically. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on and, and for sh- taking your very valuable time. Um, so that was Jesse McCormick, Ace Home Inspections. 
If you need him, just go ahead and reach out to me. I'll pass along his contact information. Of course, all of my clients, uh, all of my buyer clients, um, I connect with Jesse. So uh, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but uh, that's it for today's episode. I appreciate all you guys for listening. Like, review, rate, subscribe. My contact information is in the show notes. I appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll talk again next time.